What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Kick-Ass mini-season here on Cinemac Reviews. As always, I'll be your host, Chris, and this is the show about all things movies and TV. Every week, I give my thoughts on the newest releases, beloved franchises, and even upcoming projects like Marvel and Star Wars. You can, of course, support the show by giving it a rating slash review on your favorite podcast service, as well as following it on all social media platforms, including the very popular TikTok. I appreciate all the support out there from you guys, especially those of you outside the U.S. It still amazes me that this show has gone international. You guys are truly awesome. Cinematic Reviews returns to the Kick-Ass franchise today with Kick-Ass 2. It reunites Aaron Taylor Johnson, Chloe Grace Moraes, and Christopher Mintz-Plass, alongside newcomer of the franchise, the legendary Jim Carrey as Colonel Stars and Stripes. Now to kick things off, let's talk about some facts. Kick-Ass 2 was released on August 16th, 2013. It was directed by Jeff Wadlow. He is best known for this, Truth or Dare, and Never Back Down, which is one of my guilty pleasure films. Kick-Ass 2 grossed a disappointing $60 million worldwide against a $28 million budget. Evan Peters was unable to reprise his role as Todd due to scheduling conflicts with American Horror Story, and I'll dive into that more in the negative segment later on in the episode. Jim Carrey actually bought his own props in order to look like the comic book version of Colonel Stars and Stripes. The posters seen in Dave's room, American Jesus and Superior, are two graphic novels written by kick-ass author Mark Miller. And lastly, Matthew Vaughn still has plans for both a Hit Girl prequel and a third kick-ass film. With that, let's get to my thoughts on Kick-Ass 2. Kick-Ass 2 is unfortunately what killed this franchise. It suffered from a classic case of sequelitis, as I like to call it. It simply lost the magic that the first Kick-Ass film had. Now, it's not a terrible movie per se. It just didn't live up to the hype that was Kick-Ass and ultimately put the franchise to bed, even though Matthew Vaughn had a Hit Girl spinoff and a third Kick-Ass film in mind. It's a real shame, though, because this could have been an awesome franchise to return to every couple of years or so, whether it be a movie or series. Now, Aaron Taylor Johnson is so awesome once again as Kick-Ass, but Chloe Grace Moritz is still the standout character for me. She continues to be this total badass as Hit Girl. I think she has great chemistry with Johnson, and it's really disappointing that they didn't do another movie together. Their back and forth makes Kick-Ass 2 so awesome to watch over and over again. I still absolutely love this film, but it does have a lot more problems than the first Kick-Ass film. And I'll dive deeper into them more later on in the episode during the segment, the negative segment. But Christopher Mintz-Plass returning as Chris D'Amico was a letdown for me, to be honest. He was pretty great as Red Mist in the first Kick-Ass. I just didn't vibe with his turn to a supervillain as the motherfucker in this film. He was definitely a step down from Mark Strong. And yeah, part of the reason for me is I just think Mark Strong is a way better actor than Mince Plass. That definitely played a role in the motherfucker being a dumb bad guy for Johnson's kick-ass to go up against throughout the film. Plus, his outfit was really fucking stupid. I've always hated it, and I still do today. I honestly hate all the costumes of the bad guys in the film, which sucks because the supervillain is half the movie. 
when the villain of a comic book movie is lame, it taints the entire movie, no matter how awesome the hero is. For the most part, though, it just doesn't have the same magic as the first film, like I said. The addition of Jim Carrey, though, as Colonel Stars and Stripes did help the film a lot for me. I love all the scenes that he's in, mostly because Carrey is such a legend himself and is great in everything that he does. Him being the one to bring the team together was a great decision because he made it a lot of fun. He brought something special to the universe. This would have been a very different movie if someone else was in this Colonel role. He was crazy, but he believed in the cause. I saw a lot of similarities between him and Nick Cage's Big Daddy from the first film. I, of course, love the Big Daddy character a little more because Cage just goes full on Cage mode in the first Kick-Ass. But I still really love the Colonel because he was uh, kind of the Big Daddy in this film. He was crazy violent, but also had a code. He wanted to protect people from the dark side of the world. The dark side where he used to play a part in as a mob enforcer. That's what Big Daddy wanted to do as well. He wanted to protect the city from people like Mark Strong's Frank D'Amico. He wanted to prevent anyone else from losing someone they loved, like he lost his wife. Now, the rest of the team, though, is not as entertaining as the Colonel. We get Marty becoming a superhero in this one as a Captain America ripoff. You probably remember Marty from the first film. He's one of Dave's uh, best buddies. Then we get Dr. Gravity, who is okay. Night Bitch is all right. She's kind of badass in some scenes. The married couple who became superheroes because of their missing son is a very touching story, but them as characters aren't that all entertaining, unfortunately, as well as Insect Man was not really entertaining as well. Justice Forever, which is their superhero team name, is literally a Justice League ripoff. That is a cool idea on paper. I just think the members of the team could have been a lot more interesting. Then on the other side of the coin, you have the Motherfuckers Villain League. The Toxic Mega Cunts, which is even dumber somehow, aside from Mother Russia, who is a total badass in this film. The film really paints the motherfucker as a huge racist, and it honestly made my eyes roll in the back of my head when he was naming each member of his league. I always forget that Daniel Kaluuya is in this as Black Death, which is a super racist name, by the way. And the other names of the villain league aren't any better than that. I mean, you have the tumor. Mother Russia, of course, and Genghis Carnage, which, like Black Death, is super freaking racist. I do love that John Leguizamo is in this as Javier, who is Mince Plass's second-in-command, I guess you could call him. He's basically his conscience throughout this whole film until he unfortunately gets killed by the motherfucker's uncle, who is played by Jerome Mormont from Game of Thrones, which is awesome. I totally forgot that he was in this, too. It really sucks that he died, though, because the story, but because Lake Wazamo is such a presence on screen, and I, I feel like I didn't care about the villains once he was gone. But I understand that for a plot wise, the motherfucker needed that push to go off the deep end. He needed to go full on superhero mode before we get to that final fight with Kickass at the end. It just really sucks that Lake Wazamo bit the dust like that. He's such an awesome actor, and I love seeing him on screen. But with that, let's take a quick break with a fun trivia game before diving into the segments. So for any new listeners out there, this is the part of the show where we take a break and play a trivia game to kind of have some extra fun on the show. Now, this is the game that I found on Sportsco, I believe it's called. Uh, feel free to jump on there. 
to follow along. Otherwise, I'll do my best to read off the questions for you and you can follow along that way. So it will show us a picture of a character and we have to guess if they were introduced in either Kick-Ass 1 or Kick-Ass 2. So with that, let's uh, get started. This looks like Night Bitch. So she was, of course, Kick-Ass 2. This looks like Jim Carrey's character from Colonel Stars and Stripes. So he was, of course, Kick-Ass 2. This looks like Daniel Kaluuya's Black Death character. So let's go with Kick-Ass 2. This, uh, judging from the costume, it looks like Insect Man. That, of course, was Kick-Ass 2. Really hope these aren't all Kick-Ass 2. Oh, this is Kick-Ass himself. So, should be pretty easy there. It was the first Kick-Ass movie. This looks like Mark Strong's character, Frank D'Amico. So, we're going to go with Kick-Ass 1. This looks like Chris Mintz Plass in his Red Mist costume. So I'm going to go with Kick-Ass 1. This looks like Nick Cage's Big Daddy, which Kick-Ass 1 for all the diehard fans out there. This looks like Hit Girl, played by Chloe Grace Morris, who was from Kick-Ass 1 originally. This is... Men's Plass again, but it looks like his motherfucker outfit, which, of course, is Kick-Ass 2. This looks like Dr. Gravity, who was part of the Justice Forever, so that would be Kick-Ass 2. This looks like Mother Russia, so Kick-Ass 2 again. And this looks like Marty, who was in his Captain America ripoff costume, but this is a trick question. Was he introduced in two or was he in one? We're going to go with one. Ah, so they must have meant his superhero name, not the actual character. So his superhero was actually introduced in two. The character was actually in one. So that was a trick question. So with that one, I got 92% out of 100. But Feel free to share how many you got right along with your thoughts on the film. You can, of course, comment on any of the Cinematic Review social media pages. I'm looking forward to your thoughts on the film and your score as well and all the discussions that spawn from that. But let's jump right into the segments. <laughs> so first, standout scenes. First, I have... The callback to Big Daddy shooting Mindy. This was a really fun scene and a great way to open up the movie. It's, of course, a callback to when Big Daddy shoots Mindy in order to get her mind and body kind of ready for the possibility of ever being in a firefight on, while on patrol as a superhero. I love when Mindy pulls out an even bigger gun and Dave freaks out like the little bitch that he is. It's such a good scene. Next is the training montage. Now, anyone that knows me knows that I love a good montage in movies. So, of course, this training one would be on the standout scene list for me. Mindy is such a badass character in this film, along with the entire franchise. Now, the choreography is really cool in this franchise, and this montage does a great job at showing it. I 
like the choreography a little more in the first Kick-Ass film, just because I feel like Vaughn was more creative with it and he had more hands-on with, with all of that going around. The choreography in the sequel was definitely a, a step down, which is really disappointing because the action sequences, I think, were part of the magic that made Kick-Ass such a huge phenomenon. Next is Kick-Ass joining the Justice League forever. Or Justice Forever. So this is where we are introduced to Jim Carrey's Colonel Stars and Stripes character and the newly formed superhero team, as I said, Justice Forever. The rest of the team is pretty lame, like I said earlier in the episode, but Jim Carrey kills it as a colonel, I think. Their, their headquarters is also pretty cool as far as like setup-wise. The table in the middle of the room is an obvious nod to DC's Justice League, which I'm a huge fan of. The thing uh, about uh, Kick-Ass 2 and, well, Kick-Ass franchise as a whole is that I love all the nods to comic books and superheroes in it. The small little homages to Marvel and DC are really cool when you can spot them. And, yeah, these two films make fun of comic book movies. But at the same time, it's also honoring them as well, which is really cool. It's a nice kind of blend of the two, especially in the first Kick-Ass film, I think. I got serious Spider-Man, Batman, and even some Punisher vibes from it. Next is Mindy tries out for the cheerleading. I really like this scene. I like how it was all cut together. Uh, it shows the audience what Mindy sees in her mind, which is Hit Girl fighting ninjas. While... At the same time, the crowd is seeing what's actually going on, and it's just Mindy jumping around. The The crew did a really awesome job, I think, with piecing this whole scene together in the editing room. It was just a really well-done scene from every point of uh, everyone on involved on the crew, I should say. Next is the first mission. So the first mission that Justice Forever goes on is taking down a prostitution ring. This is a really fun action sequence, even though it's... I mean, prostitution is also a really touchy subject, but this is still a really fun sequence to watch. We get to see the the colonel in action for the first time, and he is really freaking brutal when he fights. He has that cool wood stick painted with the American flag on it, and it just goes to town with it. Adding his dog to the mix makes the scene even more fun. The colonel at one point orders Eisenhower to bite the dude's balls, and that dude is none other than Benedict Wong from the MCU. Again, totally forgot that he was in this. So many awesome actors show up in this film. It's crazy. I know Carrie has gone on record multiple times stating that he disapproves of the violence in the film. But I think he did an awesome job in all the action scenes, though. He's, his character is really badass, and I, and I love it. Mindy turning the tables on the school bullies. Now, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, definitely top tier of the entire franchise. The six stick is so awesome. It's fucking gross, but awesome at the same time. The visuals are incredible in this scene. All the vomit and diarrhea everywhere, it's just crazy. I would have loved to be on set when they filmed this scene, as weird as that may sound. I just find it fascinating on how they pull off scenes like this. It's truly a crazy scene. Next is the death of Colonel Stars and Stripes. This is another one of my favorite scenes because it is so freaking brutal. 
the colonel goes out in such a violent way. Mother Russia cuts him up with her machete-looking thing before breaking his neck with her freaking leg. God damn, is she strong. Poor Eisenhower, though. I really wish Kick-Ass would have adopted him after the colonel's death. Maybe that could have been a cool mid uh, post credit scene or some kind of deleted scene to kind of show us the fate of poor little Eisenhower. He's such a cute dog. Next is the neighborhood massacre. Now, if you thought the prostitution ring scene or the colonel's death was crazy, this scene takes the cake. Mother Russia just massacres the fuck out of these cops in front of the entire neighborhood. She throws a freaking lawnmower at them at one point in the scene. She kicks the massacre off by throwing a fucking propane tank with a lit cigarette in it at the cop car. This scene is just so brutal, and I absolutely love it. This is why I love the Kick-Ass franchise. It's scenes like this. Next is Dave's dad getting arrested. I like this scene because it was a great character moment for Mr. Lewiski. He was always against Dave becoming Kick-Ass, but he still loved him. He was his son. He literally died in jail protecting Dave, and I and I think that was a great moment for the character. He's kind of the Mr. Lewinsky's kind of like left in the dust in most of these two movies. So it was cool to kind of like get some character arc or character moment for him. Next is the funeral slash highway fight scene. This is another one of my favorites. The choreography is completely insane throughout this entire sequence, especially once we get to the actual highway fight with the van. Mindy rolling around on top of that van and killing everyone by one. One by one is so freaking cool. At one point, she uses the guy as a ladder to get into the van. It's safe to say that his knees are freaking gone from that. One dude even gets pulverized when he when the SUV behind him runs him over. It's just such a crazy scene. The final fight. This scene had a couple of awesome moments in it. Otherwise, it's your typical third act fight. I love how we kick things off with Hit Girl shoving Black Death's finger into his eye. It's so freaking brutal. Then we get her fight with Mother Russia, and it's a really awesome fight. The audience was led to believe that the syringes that uh, Mindy showed Dave at, before the fight were meant to kill them, and I guess they called it the end game or something. But it was actually just a shot of adrenaline. It might have been lame to some audiences, but I really love that twist. I got really hyped when we get that cool shot of her eye kind of, oh, what's the word, dilating or whatever, after taking it, all that adrenaline in. And she just absolutely hands Mother Russia her ass. I love the sequence of Hit Girl cutting up uh, Mother Russia with the glass pieces. It might have been a lame slow-mo moment, but I'm a sucker for that kind of shit. And then we also get the showdown between Kick-Ass and the Motherfucker on the on the roof which wasn't as awesome as it should have been i mean we get a brutal sequence of the motherfucker being eaten by the shark but that's later ruined by the post credit scene if you stayed for that he actually survives that but he has no legs and no arms i believe it's just it's a really stupid scene the fight itself wasn't anything special and it, and then like i said it's kind of ruined by that post credit scene the choreography though was was all right but it's not on the same level as the rest of the movie the third act in the first Kick-Ass was a lot better with uh, Kick-Ass coming in with the jetpack and Hit-Girl fighting Frank D'Amico. Those are really cool fights. And then lastly, we have Kick-Ass's new suit reveal. When I saw this movie for the first time, I got really excited for the third Kick-Ass film after seeing this specific scene. Yeah, it's a ripoff of Iron Man and his suit, but it's freaking cool looking. 
I really hope Matthew Vaughn gets a chance to make Kick-Ass 3 with Dave wearing this armored suit. That's another one of the few things I liked about the final fight. Kick-Ass combining parts of Big Daddy's suit with his was a really nice touch. Next, we have favorite quotes. First one is uh, Mindy says, no one wants to be Robin. Um, I actually do. I've always been a huge fan of Robin. I'm probably in the minority when I say that, but being Batman's Robin would be really freaking awesome in my mind. Next is uh, Mindy again saying, you're going to need a bigger jar. Now, I love the smart-ass comments like this from Mindy throughout the entire franchise, not just this film. She is such a fan-favorite character, and it's because of lines like this. I absolutely love Chloe Grace. I hope she gets a chance to be in more films. Next quote is the Colonel saying, without Kick-Ass, none of us would be here. This is a really cool thing to think about. Kick-Ass started all this. Yeah, technically, Hit Girl and Big Daddy were the first superheroes, but Kick-Ass was really the first one to publicly help people. Big Daddy and Hikaru just kind of hid in the shadows, which is, yeah, a smarter move. But Kick-Ass, his publicity ended up getting Big Daddy killed, though, which, yeah, sucks. But it also gave people the courage to fight back. It allowed the people to take back their city from the criminals like Motherfucker and his crew. Next is the Colonel saying once again, oh, and try to have fun, because otherwise, what's the point? I remember this line in the trailers and I just love it. This is this is the mindset that I would have if I was a superhero. Just have fun with it. Next is Javier, who John Leguizamo plays, saying, did you just call me your fucking butler? This line is great for two reasons. One, it's a clear nod to Alfred from the Batman universe. And two, I just love John Leguizamo. He's such an underrated actor. He's really underutilized in this film. Next is Dave saying, your life has no meaning, Dad. This is a pretty harsh line for a son to say to his dad, but he wasn't wrong. And that's what I like about it. Dave wanted to do something special with his life. He wanted some kind of meaning to it. His dad just played life really safe. He went to work and came home. Rinse and repeat. Life needs to have meaning. It needs to have some excitement to it. That's what Dave wanted. He wanted to make a difference in the world. He didn't want to be this average kid who went to school and then went home. He wanted to be special. I see a lot of myself in Dave, which is why I love the character so much. Next, we get Marcus, who is kind of the stepdad, I guess you could say, to Mindy. He says, why is Kick-Ass's name on this list? I love this line because Marcus, throughout the entire franchise, doesn't want Mindy to become a superhero. But he understands that there are good superheroes out there that actually want to help. Marcus, at the end of the day, is still a cop. But he understands that Kick-Ass is trying to make the world safer. He actually stands for something. I just really love this line whenever I hear Marcus say it. It's, it brings me hope that if there are superheroes out there, cops like Marcus will understand that they're just trying to help. Next line is Mindy saying, game over, cocksuckers. Again, this is just the really... I love this line. And it was the perfect way to kick off that highway fight on top of the van. I love Chloe Grace so much. Another line from Mindy, I believe in the same scene, pull over pew face. Just another great comedic line from Mindy. Uh, and lastly, motherfuckers henchmen. Bullshit. Dr. Gabriel Gravity responds, no shit. I just love this short scene with Dr. Gravity. I crack up every time during it. When the spikes shoot out of his bat and Dr. Gravity heals, no shit. Gets me every time. Next is... Brutality. 
like the first film, there was a lot of brutal scenes in this, uh, the Kick-Ass 2 film. So first is Chris D'Amico killing his mother. Going out like that in the tanning bed would suck. Plus the smell of it, goddamn, it would be so bad. Next is the alley fight, alleyway fight. Uh, now Dave dressed as a pimp, really freaking stupid. But this is a really brutal fight, though. Hit Girl comes in with her sword and just cuts these guys up. At the end, she just cuts off one of the dude's hands. So freaking brutal. Prostitution ring fight. Another very brutal scene. Eisenhower biting Wong's balls was insane. I can't imagine the pain of a dog's teeth biting down on your balls. Fucking ouch, man. Next is Big Tony, a.k.a. the tumor, with the pool stick. It's a very, very short scene, but I love the blood spitting out of the guy's neck after Tony stabs him with the pool stick. So brutal. Then we get my favorite, the six stick. This is by far probably the best scene in the whole franchise. Definitely in this movie. It's such a brutal device that the bullies honestly had coming. Jim Carrey bites the dust hard. I talked about this a little bit in the standout scenes. But this is such a brutal way to go. Colonel gets cut up by Mother Russia's uh, machete and then has his neck broken by her legs. The move she does is really badass. I would hate be, to be on the receiving end of it. Next is the massacre at Night Bitch's home. Again, this scene, so freaking brutal with the lawnmower and the propane tank. It's freaking insane, and I just love it. Dave's dad being murdered in jail. We didn't get to see it all go down, but the picture that Dave is sent by the motherfucker paints a very brutal and violent one. Mr. Lewinsky went out in such a very brutal way. Then is the, the funeral chaos slash highway fight. This is another incredibly brutal sequence with all the blood and gunfire with, with the guy, like I say, getting his knees torn to shreds and his buddy being polarized by the SUV. I love this scene because it is so violent and brutal like the comics are. Lastly, the final fight. The third act, like I said, is kind of lame, but there are a couple really brutal sequences in it, like Hit Girl stabbing Black Death's eye with his own finger, the motherfucker being eaten by the shark, and Hit Girl stabbing Mother Russia with all those pieces of glass. It's just so brutal, and I love every single second of it. Next is comic book versus film. So, Colonel Stars and Stripes is actually a combination of two characters from the comics, Colonel Stars and Lieutenant Stripes. In the comic, it's implied that Colonel Stars has terminal cancer, which explained why he renounced his former life as a mob enforcer, became a born-again Christian, and became a superhero. However, this is never confirmed in either the comic or the movie. The movie just completely omits this point, and probably because the comic didn't really didn't really dive into it so they so it was smart for the writers just to like erase that just don't even go into that just explain that he was a former mob enforcer born again christian that's all they needed to do and i think they handled it perfectly well uh some of the red mist and the motherfuckers nastier moments from the comic were omitted from the film and for good reason these moments included murdering children and unfortunately raping dave's ex-girlfriend katie who is briefly in this one in the second film the film includes a scene where the motherfucker attempts to rape night bitch but can't get it up i mean that was more i think that was trying to be more comedic 
I didn't really care for that scene, honestly. But I'm assuming this was kind of this was their way of showing how terrible of a character motherfucker is without having to do a rape scene, which now that I think of it is probably the best way they could have handled it. I think they probably could have just not done that scene at all. Maybe just roughed her up a little bit, but they didn't need to go into that whole limp dick joke. It did. She just didn't really land for me, honestly. And then lastly, in the comics, the ending is much more Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Uh, an epic battle in the middle of Times Square ends with Icaro being arrested with Kick-Ass and the crew attempting to break her out in Kick-Ass 3. That, that would have been a way better third act than what we actually got in the film. I really wish they would have found a way to do that. But I guess it doesn't really matter at this point because either way, the franchise is dead right now. So, I mean, having that huge cliffhanger would have been really disappointing. At least with this... We kind of get a nice ending with Hit Girl kind of going off in her own way and Kick-Ass kind of just becoming his own hero. I think is the... I like that I like that ending because it's... If they don't make a Hit Girl prequel or third film, it's, it's a good enough ending for me, I should just say. It's not as cool as this in the comics, but it, at least it doesn't have that dreadful cliffhanger that it could have been. Next is the negatives. So recasting Todd. If you're a fan of the show, then you know that I absolutely hate it when a character gets recast. It breaks the universe in my mind, and it makes it not as connected as it could be. Evan Peters is a great actor, and it's really disappointing that he didn't return. I understand that scheduling was an issue. He's become a huge name in Hollywood, and he's got multiple projects that he's doing. I just wish they could have found a way to bring him back, even if it was just for a few scenes. Or just get rid of the character altogether. He honestly didn't really need really play an impactful role anyways, so it wouldn't have made much of a difference if they just written out the character. My other negative is Chris D'Amico, a.k.a. the motherfucker in general. I touched on this briefly earlier in the show, but I really don't care for Mince Plass in this film. Mince Plass is such a hilarious actor. Shout out to Superbad. If you want a hilarious film to watch, check him out as McLovin in there. Fucking hilarious. And I also loved him in the first Kick-Ass film. I... I just think the writing was terrible when it came to this version of the character in the sequel. I remember the motherfucker being really menacing and brutal in the comics. I mean, he freaking raves Kick-Ass's girlfriend. Now I agree, a scene like that, like I said, would have been too much. My point is, is that the motherfucker was a really lame-ass villain in this movie. All the villains were pretty much lame, to be honest. Mark Strong's Frank wasn't a masterpiece by any means as far as villains go, but he was way better written than Chris in Kick-Ass 2. The villains are probably my biggest issue with the film. They weren't entertaining enough, and that sucks because half of a comic book movie is the villain, is the bad guy, the person or thing that the hero is going up against. It just doesn't work. It's a huge flaw in this sequel. Which brings me to my next negative is sequelitis. Kick-Ass 2, like I keep saying, suffers from a common case of sequelitis, as I like to call it. It's missing that magic of the first film. Part of it is the fact that Big Daddy didn't return because, well, he was obviously killed in Kick-Ass 1. Another part of it is simply the writing, like I keep saying. The writing just isn't on the same level as Kick-Ass. The jokes weren't as good, and the plot was really generic. It's just a really boring team versus team story. And then lastly, Matthew Vaughn not returning to direct. Vaughn not helming the director's chair also really hurts the film a lot. 
he did such a great job with the first film. Him just returning as producer wasn't enough for me. He needed to be back in the writer's room, back on that director's chair, in order for Kick-Ass 2 to be on somewhat of a, the same level as the first film. If the studio greenlights a Hit Girl spinoff or a third Kick-Ass film, Vaughn needs to be heavily involved again as writer and director. It's the only way that it's going to work in my mind. Now, let's end the episode with ranking the Kick-Ass universe. Now, I may sound really down on this film, but I still had a lot of fun with it. I absolutely love this universe. I have such a blast every time I rewatch it. It's just really disappointing when you get a lame sequel to a really awesome comic book movie. The first kick-ass film was lightning in a bottle, and it would have been really difficult to replicate it, even with Vaughn coming back to write and direct it. It would have helped a lot, though. We would have gotten a way better sequel if everyone came back for it, including Evan Peters as Todd. I know it was a small role, but that feeling of universe building would have been there and would have elevated this film much, much higher. With recasting a character, no matter how small the part is, it just breaks the universe for me. I still recommend this film, though, to anyone that loves comic book movies. It still has really fun action sequences and really cool character moments in it. This film is full of awesome actors. Johnson and Morris have great chemistry together. It's always fun to see them on screen together as Hit Girl and Kick-Ass. Jim Carrey is also a major, major fun time to see because he normally doesn't do movies like this. I love it when actors branch out to different genres. The cast, unfortunately, wasn't enough, though. The writing needed to be a lot better than what it is. The script definitely needed Bond's magic touch. He is such a terrific writer and director. I love all of his work, especially Kick-Ass. I hope he gets a chance to bring fans uh, a Hickel prequel and a third Kick-Ass film. With him spearheading it as writer and director again, it has the potential to resurrect this franchise. And you can bet that Cinematic Reviews will definitely be covering those if they are indeed greenlit. But until then, check out the Kick-Ass ranking, along with many, many more on both IMDb and Letterboxd. Just search for Cinematic Reviews. Well, that'll do it for part two of the Kick-Ass mini-season. Be on the lookout for more mini-seasons like this one. Also, tune in every week for new release Monday and Franchise Friday. This Friday, the DCEU season continues with Suicide Squad. Until then, though, remember to always kick ass. Later, everyone. <laughs>